0: So we are in a series that we're calling Ecclesia, uh, nearing the end of this one, but it, it's, uh, it's the definition of preaching to the choir, I guess. <laughs> Talking to the church about the church. Um, but I think it's really important for us, so you know, we need to understand who we are, You know, what we're about. And as I said last week, the, the original plan I had for this series and where it ended up going as we began exploring this is two different places. It's not really been about the mechanics of it as much as it's been about maybe the, the mission or, or rethinking some of the things that I thought we had settled, even for myself. Uh, what does it mean to have, you know, quote-unquote, good church? Um, how, how do I feel whenever, you know, you, you throw something out there and you never know how it goes? You know, how do we feel whenever we come together and it's just hard because there's loss or there's sorrow or there's pain? How does it feel whenever everything seems to be going our way? What does it mean to be doing this thing called church together? And not church as it was in England you know, 500 years ago, not as it was in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. What does it mean to be doing church here today in Holly Springs, North Carolina? What does it mean to do this in this new age? I love puzzles and, and riddles. I really do. I love puzzles, riddles. I love treasure hunts. I love escape rooms. Uh, I think they're a lot of fun. I, I did a, a treasure hunt for my, my kid's birthday, and it was a, a pirate-themed And so I got to do all these little two-line clues to hide, you know, little pieces of a map all around the house. And they got to explore and then put the map together and it led them to the birthday cake. You know, I I enjoy that whole sort of thing. I, I, I buried treasure on the beach once and left them clues. And they had a metal detector, and they could go over and try to find this thing. And I I realized the metal detector was kind of weak. So I had to put metal on top of the little thing that I buried so they could find it. And it was this real cheap fool's gold that that I put in there. But, you know, when you see them open their eyes, it's just this, this treasure. I love these puzzles. I love solving them. To my understanding, it's actually pure communication. And what I mean by that is I can give you a fact, and you hear it. And that fact may or may not register in your brain. Uh, I was talking before the service started about crocheting and knitting and all these things, things that, that I don't understand. And as soon as it goes beyond my tip of understanding, it's just like whoosh. I heard words you said. I have no place for that information, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. And, and I need to line things up in my brain a little bit to, to work that out. And to me, whenever you, whenever you work through a riddle or a puzzle, whenever you kind of sweated through it and, and reason things out, it's like your your synapses line up a bit more than just that end result. You know, it's not just about getting that one thing at the end. It's about working your way through that. So to kind of figure this out, like what I mean by this, if, if you've got your phones, pull it out. For real, you, you can do this. This is an interactive portion of this. If you're on the Wi-Fi, great. If you're not, it's pursue and, and practice, like our mission statement. You know, we want to pursue the kingdom and uh and and pursue and practice the kingdom capital p's and the ampersand in between Um, all right so get your phones real quick here's the first question what is the square root of (laughs) 5,902,111 hint you don't need to use your calculator app you could just put this into google and it's going to begin auto-completing it anybody how quick can we get this Square root, we've got it right here, square root of five, 000, root of 5 million nine hundred <laughs> 902,111. 2, Who's got it? Pie. Not pi. <laughs> what is it? Shout it out. 2, 4. 426, yeah, it good job. All right, next one. What's the capital of Burma? Not Myanmar. <laughs> There you go. All right. Exactly right. I don't know how to pronounce that. I was, I was hoping I was going to hear somebody say that. All right. Final one. Ooh. I believe you. That was, a, that was really said and said beautifully. All right. Final question. Who played Buzz in Home Alone 2? <laughs> <laughs> this is Lost in New York. Anybody know? <laughs> yes. Well done. That was pretty quick. All right. So how many times do I Google these answers and I promptly forget them? I look these things up because we're watching a a show, and I'm like, who was that character? And you look it up, and then like five minutes later, it's like, who was that person? And I end up doing the same thing again and again and again and again. And it's very unlike a maze. I've got a maze here. You know, whenever you're working through a maze, you try these paths, you reason it through, you try to get to that end result. And what's been said before about our planet right now is we don't have a resource problem, all right? We don't have a resource problem. We have a distribution problem. We have all the resources we need. We have all the food and the water. We have all the money that people need. It's just not distributed very well, right? So trying to get this stuff to people, and I'm not even getting into the the whole part of of greed and all that stuff. I just mean logistically, it's hard to get fresh food to some of the places that need it, logistically. Logistically. We have a distribution problem much more than we have a resource restraint. So I think about the way that we need to talk about church. What we're trying to say is God has everything that we need. I believe that. I believe the answer to all of the world's ills is in this room because we have the Holy Spirit. We've been created as image. The, the cure of cancer. <laughs> Peace in the Middle East. You know, all of the ways that we can overcome this world with the kingdom of God is in these seats. But what we often have is the distribution problem. How do we get what God has, who God is, to a world that needs it? And how do we do this? How do we connect us, us us longing, desperate, hungry people, with a God who has more than enough? And what God has done quizzically is he put the church there You know, Christ came, he walked this earth, he did this stuff. And I thought, great, let's put up a tent. Let's keep you here, Jesus. And we can leave you on this mountain. Everybody can come up, they can see you, they can ask you questions, and they can move on. And Jesus said, No, I'm going to go to the Father. And it's better for you that I do that. But I'm going to send another. I'm going to send the Helper, the Holy Spirit. He's going to be in your hearts. This was the plan, this was the design. This wasn't an accident. This wasn't, well, we've got to figure something else out because, you know, Jesus got to go back there. This was the plan. And it leaves me sometimes scratching the head because if I'm looking at it as a distribution problem, I want to solve it in a very direct and good manner. I'm a computer guy. I, 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 this is what I do for a living. Let me try to solve this problem. Distribution is the problem. We have stuff, but how do we get it there? In the early days, it was really hard because how do we get the word of God past closed borders? How do we get it into languages that we don't speak? But God gave us the gift of tongues. He called and he equipped men and women in missions. He miraculously provided and protected them as they went to bring the message of God to people where it doesn't go. So what we're going to be talking about this morning is the activity of the church. The activity of the church. There's a few concrete things that we as the church keep doing. You know, we worship, we pray, we minister, we preach. And I'll never forget that the, one of the pastors I had for the majority of my life, he, he talked about his sermons. I thought he was a wonderful speaker. But he talked about, you know, sometimes it's, it's just a meal. <laughs> I said, what, what do you mean by this? Sometimes it's just a meal. You know, we, we, we preach, we give the word of God. You remember a few meals in your life, right? A special birthday dinners maybe, or, or your wedding banquet, or, you know, a, a, a first date you had that was really memorable. Something you've had, you remember some meals. Do you remember every meal you had a month ago? Probably not, especially whenever it's, you know, breakfast for dinner for the third time or, you know, or we're like, I'm an adult, I can have ice cream if I want. Or maybe that's more memorable to you, I don't know. But sometimes it's just a meal. They're not necessarily memorable, but they're how you're here today. They're how we sustain ourselves. It's how we go week to week. It's how we we know that we're feeding off the word of God because we've had this in ourselves. We feast off of this. We feed off of this. And the church is regularly in the business Providing food for those people who need it. We were in, in Paris. My wife was seven months pregnant, and uh, she does not like what she calls uh, soft cheeses or, or fluffy cheese, as, as she affectionately calls them. And, and France has a whole lot of fluffy cheeses, and they pop up in all these things. Plus, being pregnant, she doesn't want to introduce more bacteria, all these things. So she's like homesick for food, all right? And so we're in the middle of Paris. I'm I'm working with my job at IBM, and they've got these, like, big dinners for us and everything. And she's like, I want McDonald's. (laughs) So we find a McDonald's. She gets a (laughs) Filet-O-Fish, and she has her McDonald's. And and it's great, and she feels satisfied. In the midst of all this stuff, we were on our honeymoon. It's a, a similar story. We had this very fancy chef. I forget where he was classically trained but on our honeymoon he was at this resort taking care of we had meal after meal breakfast lunch dinner just rich 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 we're going off for a hike one one day to a waterfall and we said you know please can we just get some something basic you know just let us have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and 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 I don't know some chips oh yes 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 no problem so we get up to the top of this waterfall very hungry pull out the sandwich take a bite and our teeth go through about a half inch of butter <laughs> and then peanut butter and then jelly and then about another half inch of butter <laughs> and we're like, oh they didn't quite understand what peanut butter and jelly meant. And so that was that was a surprise that you have butter and peanut butter and jelly in there. And so at least we'll have the chips and the the chips were cassava fries We're actually pretty good but it's not quite the same thing as potato so not quite what we expected sometimes these meals are rather memorable and not for the reasons that you might think so um, no church is going to be the epitome of teaching of worship of community of all these things we're in a day and age where we're in some ways the, the golden age if there was pastors that, that, that give amazing sermons that are broadcasting out of Texas, you can get their podcast hours afterwards. If there's worship hits that, that are, are being sung by the most famous choirs and, and, and bands that you can imagine, you can get their album, right? And they can go across borders. They can be distributed distributed everywhere, quickly, in a way that we've never before seen in history. The local church, where does it fit into this? What are we about? Why do we gather together in Holly Springs, when there's churches that spend millions of dollars on production and value and research and history, and they do all these things to the nth degree, what value does the local church have in that context? And this this isn't really theoretical. I, I think that it's important that we evaluate and look and understand the culture that we find ourselves in, the changing things that we have. I believe Wesley, John Wesley, or I believe Martin Luther, they would have been so grateful to have a means to broadcast the truth of the kingdom across borders. They had radio. And if they, if they could do this with podcasts, we could put something in your pocket and carry it around and broadcast these truth, these words in languages that they didn't speak. What an amazing tool for the kingdom. How are we using these tools? How do we understand our place in this grand scheme of things? There's this, uh, this famous ad that was put up. You, you wouldn't download a card. You remember this one? I've got this. This, this was a, a big deal that was put up in, um, in, uh, in movie theaters. And everybody saw this. It was a pre- before all the movies would start. You wouldn't download a car, boom, boom, boom. They got this rock music. Well, promptly thereafter, uh, the, the, the next one here, guy is 3D printing a car. <laughs> so he is downloading a car that he can make. Given the choice, people are like, yes, I would. Yes, I would download a car if, if I had this, this chance. The thing is, it's hard for us to remember this. The church isn't intended to be the best. I hate to say it that way, but I think that's the the misgiving that we have. We're not intended to be the best. It's foolishness. It's weakness. We broadcast that through these jars of clay. Why? So that we can see who he is. It's not about me, it's not about us, it's not about this thing that we do, but somehow through this means, he is revealed. Where is he revealed? How is he revealed? How does this thing work in this day and age when everything has background music and it's edited and there's like five cutscenes and just the title sequence? How, how does this reveal who God is? And what I want to say that is we as a church, wherever he is revealed, may we rejoice, may we celebrate. This isn't about trying to be a curmudgeon or trying to talk about the good old days. It's trying to really look at where the church is going, how we as the church can reveal who Christ is through any means possible, through any means at our our disposal. I I listen to lots of podcasts, I really do. I listen to to music, I I, I love worship. The thing is, I can't worship to recorded music. This is not because you can't worship to recorded music. It's because I can't. I, I don't know why. I'm always too distracted by it. I really love a live performance. You know, and I was talking to one of my friends about this and I, I was talking about like, you know, I, I love acoustic guitar. I love the squeak of fingers on strings. I, I love whenever the tempo goes slightly faster because the drummer is getting excited, you know, and, and they, they feel that and they respond to the energy in the room and their heartbeat is going faster. And, and you feel this and it's adaptive. And my friend was like, no, give me a solid metronome (laughs) with clicks and everything. Let it be done by a computer so that it's perfect. And we can, with a a synthesizer, we can remove all those squeaks of human imperfection and no feedback. And so he's very serious about this, and he's my age, so it's not like, you know, (laughs) it's not just old generations versus new generation. But we we had this debate about what we enjoy, and, you know, that's great. The fact that I can't worship to recorded music doesn't mean that you can't. I hope you can. It's a personal limitation. It's a personal limitation. And the church has often found itself in this problem, right? Drums in a church? No, we can't have that. Guitars, guitars are not in scripture. It's a harp or nothing. Pianos, for some reason, they're okay. Organs, we're going to allow that one. But anything new than that, we, we can't allow it. And the church has struggled to adopt these new things because we feel like they distract from who God is. And the thing is, for some of us, they do. For some of us, it's a real limitation. I can't worship with recorded music. I'm always distracted by it. Why? I I don't know. It's a personal limitation. I find lights and smoke very distracting. I think a lot of people, whenever there's lights and smoke, they're just like, yes, I I feel at home in this this atmosphere. It's this idea, then, that it's not right or wrong, but it's what is actually being revealed. And how do we, as a church, responsible for ourselves, make sure that we are always revealing who Christ is and not who we are? I'll never forget an anti-technology sermon I I heard because I was in high school, and the pastor was saying that the internet's only good for pornography, and I forget what else. He had two things. And, And I was like, I'm going to study computer science, <laughs> you know, like, where does this put me if this whole medium of the future is inherently evil, right? What, where does that put us? And, and it took him a, a few years. I, I actually love this pastor, and, and I, I, he was the, the pastor I had in Georgia, and he, he revisited that thought, and I remember a few years later when he goes, I was wrong. I was wrong. You know, there's a gr- lot of great things that can happen. I, I saw an online baptism. This isn't what you think. This is not a live stream of a baptism. This is a baptism of a person in a virtual reality world, their avatar, getting submerged in virtual water by a virtual minister. And the people are talking with their voices. And I know what you're thinking, and I was thinking it too, it's like, wow, we've, we've crossed a line here, right? We've gone so far. Like, what is the point of that? I got to say, whenever I heard their conversation, it caused me to pause Simply because it seemed that there was a genuine, sincere nature. And I began thinking about people who are unable to go. People who are unable to stand up. People are unable to walk. People who are unable to be baptized in these ways. Is there an avenue for them with technology? Is there some way that this distribution of who God is can come to a world that needs it? to an increased brokenness of this world? Is there some way that the local church can facilitate who God is to a world that needs him? How are we doing that? How are we distributing this? I'm I'm going to um, give a quick unfair breakdown of a major shift that we've seen in the church. Okay, is that a fair enough (laughs) aside? This is an unfair general categorization of of how things have, have shifted over time. So the Catholic church... Historic Catholic Church had sacraments, all right? Have you heard of these before? Some of us have been Catholic. I'm I'm one of us. Um, Anybody else who has been in the Catholic faith, uh, you know about these things. The sacraments, I have them on a slide here. You've got baptism, Eucharist, confirmation, reconciliation, anointing of the sick, marriage, and holy orders. These is essentially grace as a substance that is channeled to us through the sacraments. All right, so think of it that way. Grace is a substance. You need to get this substance distributed to people. So the church has these sacraments. We have these ways that we can take who God is, his goodness, his love, his mercy, to the people that need it. How do we do it? We baptize, we have the Eucharist, we anoint the sick, we practice reconciliation and confirmation, and we have marriage, and we have these holy orders. The thing is, those sacraments require the presence of the church, requires the efficacy of the church to be connected to God. That's the way that this thing works. Grace from God through the church, through these sacraments, to the people that need it. But then the Reformation came, and we began to teach and understand that the benefits of redemption, justification, adoption, sanctification, all those things, granted to those who believe, but not in an immediate fashion. All right, so this is a little bit... Real quick theology for you here. It's communicated to believers through the outward means of the word, baptism, communion, and prayer. Those things create faith, create faith, and the sacraments and prayer sustain this faith. So the idea, again, is more of a communication of things. It's not this substance we need to channel down through it. It's something that has to be communicated to you to kind of awaken who you are, who God's made you to be so that you can have this be alive in you and sustain you and get you through this, which is why preaching of the word becomes a really big deal in there. It becomes this means that we can, we can convey something. So this means of grace comes from Luther, and it's still practiced in Lutheranism. From the Westminster Short Catechism, it says, The Spirit of God maketh the reading, but especially the preaching of the word, an effectual means of convincing and converting sinners, of building them up in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. It's important to note in that, and I think it's beautiful, that the Spirit of God is the one who does it. The Spirit of God is the one who does it. It's not man's election. It's not man's desire. But the thing is, this by design, think about it as, as a change. It adds distance between these things. I mean, it's great to have this funnel when you can see that whole connection, right? Every link is kind of ch- connected there. It's like, whew, that's, that's nice and orderly. I like it. You introduce this means of grace thing, and there's this gap. You have to communicate something, and then it has to do its work there. There's this space there. I can't just passively receive this thing. I have to be engaged in the process. And with that distance, with that separations, the plan was that people then would abide in Christ. The idea is then that we see him as the vine, we're the branches, and we stay connected to that means of grace. And we're sustained through who he is. It's not the church. We don't need those intermediaries. We can be connected directly to Christ. And this was a major shift in a theological understanding. It was a major shift in the practice of doing church. So major that we still have the Catholics and the Protestants. We're still seeing this divide as we went from one understanding to the other. Sometimes, though, with this gap that we created, people tend to hide. Sometimes with this space, with that distance, We slow down. I'm going to wait on that. I'm going to wait until maybe I understand that. Sometimes with that gap, we fill it with other things. We try to connect it with other things. So we have this space. We have this distance. Sometimes that can be really comforting for those of us who say, maybe later. Maybe I don't have to worry about that yet. It's not going to be shoved into my face. So maybe I'm going to take a a slow play on this one. We'll, We'll check back in on this in a year or so. No matter what we're calling these sacraments or these means of grace, though, what we're trying to do is get the message and mission of the church to connect people to the source of life itself. It's just the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the gospel being realized to those people who need it. The means of grace, it's it's just language around us trying to say, this thing that we talk about, the gospel, matters. That's life. That's life. That, that's what we need to, to get to this world. That, that's how all my problems are actually resolved. That's actually where I have hope and joy and peace and love. How can this thing that God is come and affect you and me in this context, in this circle, with these circumstances? That's what we need. And I don't know about you, but I don't particularly care if it's going to be through baptism or, or communion or through the preaching and understanding of the word or whatever means, as long as that is happening, as long as Christ is being revealed as king, as long as he is reigning supreme and fear and shame and doubt and my sins are all put in their place and I can have joy and hope and see the authority of God realized in my own life. Where that is happening, may I rejoice. May I say, that's my God. And he comes however he will. And it's not because I understand it correctly. It's not because I have the right means of grace. It's because he is who he is and he does what he does. And I am who I am because of all that he is. It's a whole lot of Paul type language there. But I think you know what I'm saying. It matters because of he being who he is. He's the word. He's the truth. He's the life. This gospel is specific, personal, relevant, and empowered. The totality of life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, his words, his actions, his heart, his essence, that's the gospel. We reduce the gospel to being an understanding or a quick prayer that we pray. We say it's the good news, and then we leave it at that. And then when we think it's just an information transfer, we really don't understand this as a means of grace. We just, it's a lesson. You just need to learn what the gospel is Okay, I have this information now. What do I do with this information now? I looked up what the capital of of, uh, Burma was. I, I looked up what the square root was. I remember who Buzz was. What do I do with that information? How does it affect me? How does it change me? We have to remember that the gospel is not simply word, but it's word in action. Jesus is the word worker. He said something, and something happened because of it. Things shifted. He had the power and authority to change the brokenness of this world because of who he was. Not because he had to flex his muscles and put on his god suit and really, really strain and try to do this thing. I mean, it cost him his life. But because he gave it willingly, submissive. It cost him everything and benefits us everything. But he is the word worker. He speaks Things change. Being filled with the fullness of God is like a bottle in the ocean. You take the cork out of the bottle and sink it in the ocean. You have the bottle completely full of ocean. The bottle is in the ocean. The ocean is in the bottle. The ocean contains the bottle, but the bottle contains only a little bit of the ocean. So it is with the Christian. See, the, the, the problem is this distribution thing doesn't make sense for us. All that God is, all that we are. What, what's the line from Aladdin? Great cosmic power, itty bitty living space. (laughs) You know, it's this idea that that all that God is cannot possibly fill all that we are. All we can't reduce the gospel to a single statement and have like this elevator pitch. And I've tried, I've tried. I've tried so hard to get the gospel reduced to like a few lines or something pity that that you can tweet. Everybody's like, that's it, that's my gospel. I I can't. I can't do it because it's the life of Christ. It's his birth as a baby, and he lived, and he taught, and he suffered, and he died, and he was resurrected. But it's not even that. It's the fact that that he is still at the right hand of God. He's interceding for me. It's the fact that his Holy Spirit now is relevant to my life. It's the fact that my sins are forgiven. It's all of these things. And it's not just that those are words. It's the fact that I'm shaped by those things that they've affected me and steered me and directed me and they've given me life in a way that I can't really put into words, but I hope that you see it through my eyes, through my soul, through the decisions I make, through my family, through my love, through my church. That's the gospel. More than words. Not able to be contained in a single aspect of Christ without looking at the totality of who he was. It's not Christ the teacher. It's not Christ the healer. It's Christ. And even saying that just opens the door for saying, you need to abide in him. You need to be connected to him. And these sacraments, these things we do, may you just be connected to him. That's what we want, church. The gospel is a person, a person with a life who's now alive, which points us 100% towards the Great Commission. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of chatter going on about Kanye West right now. Do people know who Kanye West is? I never know if I'm like really... I'm not trying to be hip and cool. I'm not. <laughs> I am not. My kids remind me all the time. I am not hip and cool. Um, but Kanye West, he's a big deal in culture. People know him. People know his story. They've watched him. Kanye West talks about uh, how Hennessy changed his life, and this is on this, his latest album notes. How Hennessy was the best thing, and he said, you listen to me for that. Then he talked about, you know, being married, and he said, you listened to me when I talked about that. You listen to me when I talked about fame. Now that I'm a born-again Christian, he says. And my life has shifted. Will you listen to me again? He released an album this week. It's called Jesus is King. Now, here's the thing. I am not one for celebrity culture at all. I'm not. He is a wonderful communicator. And one of the songs that he has on here is called God Is. And I actually have some of the words here. And I just want to read this to you so you can hear what this is. God is. He's the strength in this race that I run. Every time I look up, I see God's faithfulness. And it shows just how much he is miraculous. I can't keep it to myself. I can't sit here and be still. Everybody I will tell till the whole world is healed. King of kings, Lord of lords, all the things he has in store. From the rich to the poor, all are welcome through the door. You won't ever be the same when you call on Jesus' name. Listen to the words I'm saying. Jesus saved me. Now I'm sane. And I know, I know God is the force that picked me up. I know Christ is the fountain that filled my cup. I know God is alive, yeah. He's opened up my vision, giving me a revelation. This ain't about a religion. I need the last line. (laughs) Jesus brought a revolution. All the captives are forgiven. Time to break down all the prisons. Every man, every woman, there's freedom from addiction. Jesus, you have my soul. Sunday service on a roll. All of my idols, let them go. All the demons, let them know. This is a mission not a show. This is my eternal soul. This my kids. This the crib. This my wife. This my life. This my God given right. Thank you, Jesus. Want the fight. That's my Jesus. <laughs> and it, it shaped him. And I don't know if he has the roots that are going to sustain this. I don't know. I'm I'm not about celebrity culture. I'm not saying, hey, y'all follow this stuff. No. But that's my gospel. That's my gospel. That's the hope. He's got something now that I relate to. I'm like, this church, we need to say, we need to proclaim this till the whole world is healed. This is goodness. This is grace. This is the story that we all need to enjoy. And I love when a person comes to know Jesus for the first time what do you do? It's stereotypical because it's so true. You have to tell everybody, right? As soon as you come to faith, as soon as you understand who Christ is, as soon as he touches your life, everybody knows it. You can't shut up about it, and you're obnoxious. And if you're a multi-million, maybe billion-dollar recording artist, you release an album about it. Bob Dylan did it, you know, and here we have Kanye West doing it. Why? Because you have to. This news, this, this good news, you can't keep to yourself. The gospel necessitates the Great Commission. Who Jesus is for you necessitates the great commission. Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Not go and convince people that you're right. Not go and get them to come to a church service and listen to people talk. Not go and and pray for them and try to be nice. Go and make disciples until the whole world is healed. (laughs) Go and make disciples that they know how to obey this gospel message. That it's not just words, but there's action about it that they follow this path, that they change their life and the world is changed because of it. How do we confront the secular with the sacred, church? How do we bring a means of grace to the world? Preaching, sure. Worship, sure. Prayer, sure. We got to do whatever we got to (laughs) do. What means do you have at your disposal? Through any means necessary, through any means that showcases Christ that reveals and connects people to who he is through any way that we can reveal the glory of God, not the glory of who we are. My, my fear with a lot of podcasts and technology and these things and these productions and these shows is that we distract from that message. That's my only objection. That's my only church curmudgeon kind of approach to this thing. My only objection is when we detract from who he is and showcase who we are. Whenever it's like, look how cool I am. <laughs> look, look at how many pop culture references I can drop in a sermon. Again, I know I'm not cool because they're all from the 90s. But, you know, it's this idea again. It's not about us. It's about him. And church, any time we make this about vineyard, any time we make this about us as a, as a community, and we don't make it about Christ, it's never about the church growth. It's about kingdom growth, about who he is, what he's done, and what he's doing now. I love the line that we say that the job of the worship team is setting the table and getting out of the way. Do we think of it that way? Man, I hope we do. The job of the worship team, the job of, that Jessica has for this church is to set the table and get out of the way. Not for everybody to look at her, not for everybody to listen to her. The job I have, very similar. Reveal the word of God. Let it do its work. Not to listen to me, not to like me, not to think that Josh guy knows so many things. no. Listen to the Spirit of God. May he be revealed in the words that we speak. Paul talks of preaching, his preaching, in 1 Corinthians one seventeen, like this, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. That, that Whoa. <laughs> Time out, Paul. Well, that, that's a kind of a big deal that you just said. That if I preach with eloquence, Wisdom and eloquence, the cross of Christ is going to be emptied of its power? Why is that? How could that be? Well, because it's not about a finely crafted sermon. It's not about having the right answers. It's not about being able to turn a phrase on a dime or or really get a good, good, you know, three-syllable gawad, you know, out there so that everybody's like, that's it. (laughs) That's what we needed this whole time and get a, a sweat worked up. Paul knew his job distribute who God is to people that need it. The cross of Christ, that they are connected, not to him, but to Christ himself, the Messiah, the chosen one of God. Last week I talked about us being fit together as living stones to be the temple, the place where God's presence is made manifest to meet with his creation. And all these things that we do, all the ways that that we talk about Social media and the ways that we try to make the coolest songs or release these things, all the ways that we want to make this. The digital church has a lot to add. The virtual church has a lot to add. The fact that we can send a message so far, so wide, for so cheap is amazing. There's an old saying in the vineyard that we said that copyright in the vineyard means that you have the right to copy. The idea is these things we have, we don't own. They're all about him. There's no if you ever talk about things that we do in this church, you don't have to attribute me as the speaker whatsoever, because it's not about personal promotion. And I know that that's what we do on social media. You, you you tag somebody, right? Oh, hashtag great church. You know, here's what my pastor said. It has to be about the gospel. It has to be about Him. Never about us. Always about Him. My fear is that we mistake the message for the method, and we don't think that it's complete unless we guss it all up, that we spend millions of dollars on the packaging and the presentation of it, making it a show. And we can argue, necessarily, that maybe that, that is what we need for people to listen, you know? People don't hear dirty, grubby messages, but I think that that's not an old problem that the church has faced, right? People didn't like Paul. They said, Paul, you're very bold in your letters, but in person— you're weak, ineffective. So Paul wrote them a letter. <laughs> you know, this idea again, how do we do this? How do we convince people when when our Savior dies on a cross? How do we gussy that up? How do we put that to pretty music? Yeah, yeah it's gonna be hard. You might be crucified and died. You might be a martyr for your faith. Now, outro, (laughs) great music and triumphant swells and all this stuff. No, our message is what our message is. May it never change. May it never be subjected to human whims. May it never be subjected to popular demand or what will make it be accepted by somebody else. And however we can convey it through digital means, through, through memes, I don't even care as long as Christ is being recognized as Christ and we don't detract one bit from who he is. Not one jot, not one iota takes away from his life, death, resurrection, power. However we can do that. I'm up for it. <laughs> however we can do it. The gospel isn't just an information or an idea. It's not a litmus test for belonging to the kingdom of God or not. But when Christ came, he was the word. The word had life and action and power and authority. Not just like to reveal, though it did that. James says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away, immediately forgets what he looks like. Which is a strange metaphor. Can we just acknowledge that? I think the f- opening the fridge door, you open up the fridge door, you take a look, and then you go away and you forget, and you promptly open it again, I think that one fits for us. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. Not he who Googles an answer to get the right question, or get the right answer for a question on a test, but he who actually persists to the end. Christ is the word worker. I think our evangelical problem comes from our misunderstanding of that, that he's the word worker. Where where does his work carry me and where do I need to do my part? He speaks, I listen. Remember the, the Great Commission. Teach them to obey. Not just to listen. Teach them to obey. Not to understand even. Teach them to obey. His commands, his heart, his intent that's our call. How do we do it? He left that up to us. (laughs) He left that up to us. And we have more tools at our disposal now than ever before. May we use them for the kingdom of God, not to build our own kingdoms. May we use them in beautiful, wonderful, novel ways that people get it and they hear it. If you are Kanye West, I hope you use your, your record label to drop an album called Jesus is King, where you put the gospel in it so sincerely and purely that you can go to the YouTube comments. You see somebody say, I don't know about this Christianity thing, but maybe I got to look into this. For one person, you know what? That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I hope, and I hope whatever you do, church, you see that same beauty, that same hope. What do I have at my disposal? How can I do it? What's the authority of God in my life? It's all of Christ is the gospel. Not just baby Jesus, not just teacher Jesus, not just healer Jesus, or forgiving our sins Jesus, or overcoming death Jesus. All of Christ. Our call is to be faithful to the message that saved us and not turn to another. Galatians says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. There's no good news except for who he is. I love that. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. They're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that is preached to you, let them be under God's curse. We've already said, so now I say again if anybody's preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation. From Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Can it be can it be taught? I actually don't know. In the vineyard, again, we say it's better caught than taught. It's about what it does to me. It's this idea that, yeah, yeah, I can give you words. We can do the sacraments or the means of grace. But if it's not between you and Christ, if you're not abiding in him, it might just be empty words. You could be on the outside looking in, or you could be connected to who God is. His power, His love, His message for you. The vineyard, we say, the way in is the way on. The Bible says, For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, One jot or one tittle shall in no ways pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Matthew 5.18 He's the vine, we're the branches. And anything we do to diminish or distract from the gospel should concern us. Any way we try to emphasize ourselves or our efforts is worrisome. James Joyce egotistically said that people should spend as much time reading his books as he spent writing it. He spent seven years writing Ulysses. I spent about three months until I said, nope. (laughs) Ulysses is really challenging. Um, But the thing is, I think when we think that the gospel can be received in one service, when we think that that's the totality of it, are we really inviting people to abide in Christ or to just feel good this today? Here's the thing. I think you should spend as much time as Christ spent saving the world, following him, which is the totality of your life, <laughs> as he spent redeeming the world. So it's not one Sunday. It's not, it's not a season of your, your life. It's from here on. That's the gospel, and that's the Great Commission. That's where we go from here. We're gonna take communion. That's how we're gonna end our service. Come on. I want to um I'm close and we're gonna invite you to communion as a means of grace. Thank you. By reading from John chapter six. It's not my normal communion passage. John 6 is after the miraculous feeding of the 5,000, after the walking on the water, after he taught the multitudes, but before his death. So when Christ says in this passage, you must eat my flesh, think about that. We can hear you must eat my flesh and drink my blood and think he's talking about the sacraments. And I understand how this is, you know, what we do, how, how the, the, the Seder became so much more meaningful and poignant with meaning. It's a means of grace that we can sustain our souls week to week. But here Christ is living before you, speaking before you, speaking to a crowd. And he says, you must eat my flesh. This is the gospel. <laughs> this is the gospel that he gave to them while he was still living, before he tasted death because Christ is the gospel. And though we see it more clearly now with time, even though we understand it better, with a little bit of separation, a little bit more revelation from the Holy Spirit, the message hasn't shifted. The call is indifferent. This means of grace that we're going to make available to you now will sustain you. I believe in it. I believe in the gift that we have as the church, as communion for the local body. You can't download communion. We haven't figured that one out yet. I think once we get to Star Trek and they can do that food thing, maybe we can do something. No, you can't DoorDash communion either. There's something I do believe that the local church does coming together or whether you're sick at home and we bring it to you. But doing it together as a body, doing it as families, as individuals, but as a church, connecting with those around the world, all of us who say my hope, my life comes from Christ. I sustain myself through his words. That's why this is a sacrament. That's why this is a gift from God for us. In John 6, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the work that God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign will you then give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. But it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me. They shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up on the last day. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the man in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that came, comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, You have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Raise them up at the last day. My flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the breath that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. It makes no sense. (laughs) Except if you understand that the good news is Christ's life is your life. Except that we see we need him. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word, your life, your death, your power. There's no one like you. There's no one like you. We're humbled at your gift, but we find hope as we say and we agree that your flesh is real food your blood is real drink, and we need it. You are the word worker, and we give ourselves to you. We will follow after you. We will obey you. Church, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen.